challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. First of all, I want to say uh, God bless the family of the fallen seal and the others who were seriously wounded and, and wounded in that attack. It's, um, I really, um, my heart goes out to them. You know this show, The Collision of Faith and Politics, very a gold star, family friendly, very warrior friendly, very war fighter friendly. So um, uh, a great warrior fell, very young, young guy in his 30s and a committed fighter and serving in the elite of the elite. There is no, no higher than DevGru or SEAL Team 6. Uh, you might not be surprised to know that uh, our president, President Donald Trump, has made a, an unannounced trip to receive the body and to greet the family in person. He actually called uh, the fallen seals family uh, as soon as as soon as it came, you know, as soon as they were properly notified. So that's what a real leader does. So you've reached the collision of faith and politics, as my announcer has said. Amazing, absolutely amazing announcer, isn't he? So cool. We have so much to talk about today. We have an incredible guest, Mr. Mark Sutherland from the UK. He is a British film producer, director, and just a super creative guy. He does a lot of things, but he does all of them well. And so uh, I'm going to speak without a filter today on immigration jihad, the plan of the left, the abdication dereliction of duty by the Democrats in Congress. And we're going we're gonna to discuss President Trump's amazing first weeks as president. Let me say this. Uh, what a week. What a week. Now I say this for two reasons. Hello, everybody in chat, by the way. Uh, all, awesome pleasure to have you there. Um, it's, it's a very vibrant chat if you've never joined it. I don't push chat enough. I should advertise it. And uh, there's some things I can do with it to get more people in there. But I like for you all to be able to talk to each other. And I like to, uh, whenever I can, to reach out to you. So that's what I like. And thank you. Getting messages from all over the world. Wow, that's cool. All over the world. We've got a bunch of people listening from the UK, and, uh, and I, um, I appreciate that. And uh, like I say, uh, Mark Sutherland is, is from the UK, so he's probably pushing the show uh, to his friends and folks over there, his colleagues over there. I'm glad that we, uh, we, are, we are back on track, as it were, to have a great relationship uh, really, really great relationship with Great Britain. Uh, and, and I don't want to talk too much about that because I don't want to steal Mark's thunder. 
but he'll tell us the real deal. He's also going to tell us about a movie that he's he's done that'll rock your world. I mean, it's oof. he's a man of great faith, and uh, he's a super unique guy. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm very, very excited to have this guy on. Um, we're going to talk about uh, Brexit. We're going to talk about the meltdown that they went into uh, there, um, how the main street media is just imploding there. And, uh, we're going to talk about, um, you know, this movie that he did, I, I don't know how to explain it to you. Uh, it's one of those things you can actually watch it, uh, download it. I'll let him give you the links and stuff. Um, it, it's, it's very different. It's very different. It's a modern day take on Daniel character, Daniel. <coughs> so, uh, A little bit of agua. My uh, my pre-show tea is still brewing, tea with honey, and uh, so. But anyway, we're, we'll talk more about all that stuff. I don't want to steal his thunder. He's a really really great guy. Uh, so it, it, let me just say this before moving forward. Um, President Trump, when he was candidate Trump, said, "We're going to win so much, you're going to get tired of winning." Now, I like to win, so. I don't think I would ever get tired of winning, but let me say this, and this is very, very important, very, very important. You should never get accustomed to winning and you should never get accustomed, should never grow accustomed to losing. So the fact of the matter is it's very, very important, very important that you understand we have to, we as conservatives have to be in the fight. We absolutely cannot let up. We can't let them uh, whine their way. We can't let them let them uh, protest their way. We can't let them bully their way. We certainly can't let them riot their way into getting their way. They will always never make sense. They will. They will always never be on our side. The only time the left is ever on our side is in order to lure us in to bear our neck so that we can be struck. That's a fact. You might not like it, but it's the truth. It's the same way with Islam. I need you to understand that unless uh, I, I was in a debate uh, shortly ago with someone uh, who really, really, uh, let's see here, uh, Robbie Quackenbush, awesome. Listen to the preliminary part. Didn't have time. I think it'll be fantastic to listen to it fully. Thank you. Tillerson speaks a language I understand. He just understands my dearly, uh, he sounds just like my dearly departed dad, also in the oil and gas business. And people in that business know instinctively how to make decisions based on the best data available and how not to give away the store to our enemies, like Hillary and, and Kerry did. What losers? Anyway, thanks for this link. Hey, that's awesome. Thank you, Robbie. Well, I hope when you get a chance to listen to the show after after you get finished doing what you're doing that uh, you'll leave a comment. That's very, very important, leaving a comment on the show page, leaving a comment on the uh, the page for um, drshawngreener.com uh, or The Ninja Pastor, if that's easier for you to remember. Also, follow me on Facebook at The Ninja Pastor, at The Ninja Pastor. And then I'm on Instagram and all that stuff. And you can see our new logo uh, for my photography Um we have a rolling trademark and copyright, so that was hard to secure, but we really, uh, it's very, very important that I do that, seeing as uh, apparently someone has used my account, used my photos that I shoot 
to make a calendar. <laughs> so suffice it to say, that was a little bit of a bummer. But I understand. Once you put it on Facebook, if you don't have it copyrighted and you don't have that statement, uh, how can you know that it is a copyrighted thing if someone doesn't you know, put that on there? So I get it. I'm learning little by little. So as to the, uh, the military folks uh, out there and the, and the SEALs uh, all around the world, you know, there's not that many. I think there's only, you know, slightly over 2,000. And certainly among SEAL Team 6, it, there is no more exclusive, exclusive bunch than SEAL Team 6. Uh, many of which I know personally and, and some who were on SEAL Team 6 and worked with SEAL Team 6, Gold Star families like Karen and Billy Vaughn and uh, Charlie and Marianne Strange and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Workman and, and so many others, just a whole list of people. Uh, Duang Dara, a great, his son was a great uh, dog handler seal and just tragic. Very, very tragic. So actually, uh, Kel Fritzy's listening, great radio host in her own right, asked a question in chat. Someone took one of my photos and submitted it for a calendar publisher to use. Well, what had happened was the, the calendar uh, people, they troll social media. And what happened was they took it, they lifted it. There was no copyright, no indication of trademark or copyright on the one they lifted. In fact, they lifted enough to use, not for the whole calendar, but uh, as I'm told, several of them, and uh, they don't have to. So if it's not indicated, they can take it. So now I'm trying to make all my all my work in the photography end, um, you know, try to mark it and leave a disclaimer. So all it said to say this, that, uh, you know, here we are, you know, another family is, is suffering. What I love about uh, President Trump, and boy, I like saying that, what I love about President Trump is this is the first death uh, in his pre uh, uh, presidency. First one. And I, I believe fully and with all of my heart that um, this hit him very hard. And that said to say this, that he dropped everything, changed his plans and, and went to greet the family and, and to mourn with them um, and to assure them that, you know, that it's a different team now. And he's going to, uh, he's going to ensure our, our, our troops have whatever they need and that the families have whatever they need. And, and that's, that's a beautiful and sweet thing. Whew, 36, 37 years old, man. Wow. Wow. So Starbucks, Starbucks vows to discriminate against American workers by hiring 10,000 refugees. Hashtag boycott Starbucks. Now, let me say this. Starbucks is not my favorite coffee. Um, I, I will say this, much like Chick-fil-A, neither of them, I'm saying their names. They don't pay me anything for saying their names. Certainly not Starbucks and Chick-fil-A. I've never approached them. However, I'm saying their names so you understand who to boycott and who to who. I, I would put uh, Chick-fil-A's, their trade-friendly, uh, fair trade coffee up against any coffee, including Starbucks. It's just, Starbucks coffee is just not that good to me. Now, I know some people that they would only drink Starbucks, even conservatives. And this is, this is what I'm getting at here. Listen, if, you, if you're a big fan of Starbucks coffee, you need to find another coffee and get addicted to that. I know how it is, man. I got to have my morning coffee. I do. And maybe there's a Starbucks in your building or maybe there's a Starbucks, you know, at your school. If you, if you go to college, maybe there's a Starbucks on your way and it's convenient in and out. And they are nice people that wait on you. Um, I, I can't get too mad at them. Although I don't like the tip 
the little tip cup in the drive-through. What's with that? What what is with that? What's what's with a Starbucks tip and then Dunkin' Donuts? They also don't pay me. Um, they have them too. They're popping up all over the place. I don't understand why I'm going to tip you for driving for for leaving. I drive up to this wall and I say, someone says, can I help you? And then I assume that they're saying that they want to help me and go ahead tell me what you want. And I tell them what I want, what I really, really want. And uh, they say, and then I assume that that means drive forward and just hand them some money and hope you get the right money back. I don't understand where the tipping part is. Tip uh, British for uh, to ensure promptness. And uh, in the British pubs and, and restaurants, you way back in the day, you would give the tip first before they did anything to say, hey, got you covered. So hashtags boycott Starbucks. We got to do that. We got to do that. We got to break their bank. And if you don't think that if conservatives. Oh, yeah, I love me some Wawa, y'all. I got a special cup and everything. Um, they didn't pay me either, but hey, why not? Now, let me say this. A lot of folks, a lot of folks say to me, well, Dr. Sean, Ninja Pastor, I like me some Starbucks. Well, Dr. Sean, I like to watch me some movies. I like movies. That's what I like. I like to watch movies and I don't like to have to look through the cast list or the director list to see if they're, um, If they're, you know, on our side, let me answer that for you. Most of the times they're not. Most of the times they're not on our side. They don't care about you. They don't care about your values. I've said before on this show and, and on different interviews that I've done and radio and TV interviews that, uh, hey, BJ Maxwell, what do you say, brother? Good to see you, man. One of these days I'm going to get you on here. Peer pressure, they say it works. So there are movies that are that are made uh, by conservative people, and there are conservative actors. And you know what? Under Trump, President Trump, I apologize, no disrespect intended. Under President Trump, I'll have you know, there's there's people stepping out and saying, "Hey, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna lay back on this one." No, I am not. I'm tired of being quiet. Got to hand it to Scott Bayo, and you know he's he's doing a lot more producing than uh, you know than before. A lot more producing. So you don't see him in front of the camera as much. Guy's been very smart, very shrewd. But he's also been very vocal about supporting uh, President Donald Trump. They only get when you drain their wallets. They drain our wallets on a regular basis. And just like Islam, you know, they steal the oil. They use the oil to fund their jihad. But they also steal the oil to rob rob uh, good people in good countries of their wealth. Well, that's how it works. Welcome, moving forward. We're glad to have you. That's how it works. That's how it works. Starbucks is anti-gun. They're anti-America. And the interesting thing is they want to they want to displace ten thousand American workers by hiring ten thousand refugees. Now they're not refugees. Let's not. Let's not make that mistake. In fact, if you want to talk about refugees, and I don't want to bring this up, but weren't the Sarnayev brothers from the Boston bombing? David Kahane of ClashDaily.com, uh, he reminded me of this. Uh, weren't the Sarnayev brothers both refugees as well? Yes, yes, they were. And they were highly vetted. 
highly vetted. Let's not get lost here. Let's not get lost. There's a lot of crybaby liberals, and they're running around whining and moaning, saying they're going to fight. Hashtag not my president. They're protesting. They're rioting. They're doing all these things. It extends even to Congress. You know, they have a job to do. They were paid to go do a job. And, and so what did they do? They, they bailed out of their job, just like they did in Wisconsin. Remember that in Wisconsin? There was a vote that had to happen. Governor Scott Walker, by the way, now there's a surplus again. Teachers are making more money. They won't ever tell you that. They have a better contract. And the situation in Wisconsin is better. Put grownups in charge. Put grownups in charge. Let's see what happens. So the crybaby liberals, hashtag uh, safe space sissies. Just so you know, I don't want to bust your, uh, harsh your mellow. There's only 1,459 days till his first four-year term is over. Only 1,459. So hang in there. You can do it. We didn't protest. We didn't burn anything. Uh, the, the left is always citing some wackadoo dude from some obscure meeting out in the middle of nowhere that says, yeah, I'd like to see, I'd like to see it go to war. Well, they've been saying the same thing no matter who the president is. So listen, let's just, let's just dis dispense with the whole notion that the left is ever going to be your friend, that we, we're going to be conciliatory. We're going to find some way to find hashtag common ground. We're not. Hashtag I'm not wrong. And it even extends, I talk about teachers, you know, and, and the left, and you've got to understand that teachers and the left, I'm sorry to say the same thing twice. I don't know why wackadoos always have a Southern accent. I don't know, but, uh, uh, you know, it, no, when they're, it, wackadoos don't have, BJ asked a question in chat. BJ asked the question, why do wackadoos always have a Southern accent? And I'll tell you, this is, this is what I think. I think the flyover, you know, the, 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 the people that believe the only good stuff in the country is on the East Coast and the left coast, uh, they really believe that, you know, everybody that doesn't agree with them are Bubba's. That's what they believe. They really believe that. So it starts in school. And I wrote a book uh, some time ago. I don't remember how long it was now uh, called Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. It's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all that stuff. I'm, I'm revising it, doing a second edition, and I'm adding to it. We're going to add probably between 150 and 200 pages completely. 2012. Thank you, Jerry. Um, completely rewriting this book. We're going to make it uh, much, much, much better, and we're going to give you another book with it free of charge. Not free. You're going to have to pay for it. I can't keep doing stuff for free or all. Well, maybe I will lose weight that way. So I talk in my book, Excellence Killed, or I write in my book. There's no talking in it. Uh, I am going to do an audio book of this one. I am going to do uh, an audio book of it. So anyway, got people uh, messaging in from all over the world. This is kind of cool. Yeah, it's really neat. Australia. Hmm. I don't remember if we've ever had anybody from Australia. I don't know. That's, that's, that's cool though. That makes me feel good. So, uh, Ozarks don't blame you. <laughs> Jerry says, Hey, um, you just, in, the, in my book, I talk about this. I talk about how the left has taken over from kindergarten, preschool, all the way up through, you know, PhD level. They have infiltrated everywhere, everywhere. 
and they're they're even doing that in in conservative uh, conservative states. They'll get in. They'll take a they take they'll take a slight roll, very slight roll. Nobody even notices them, and they get it. And they work their way up, and then you see what they're all about. It's a jihad. It's a political jihad of the left. So they start in preschool. So uh, Victoria Taft, excellent writer, uh, she she wrote a uh, a, a deal here, uh, and I, I'm sure you've heard about this. I hope that you have. It's got 650,000 or 640,000 views so far. I mean, that's pretty pretty impressive. So this protester headline is protester calls on a crowd to start killing people. But where do you find out what she does for a living? A Seattle preschool teacher might have some explaining to do to the parents of her young students after a fiery and F-bomb-ridden diatribe calling for protesters to start killing people. The Daily Caller reports that the video of the self-described preschool teacher at an anti-Trump rally surfaces weekend. The unidentified, thank you, buddy. My uh, my tea is here, hopefully with lots of honey. You know I like it. Oh, yeah, Lady Grey Tea. Also not a sponsor, but... Yeah, I'm not going to lie about what's good and what's not. The, un- <laughs> the unidentified woman was given control of the bullhorn and filled several minutes with a profanity. Yeah, let me ask you this. Why is it always like this? Now, this woman is black. Profanity-filled, anti-white, anti-capitalist, anti-police, and anti-Whole Foods rant. I don't know where Whole Foods came in. Those people freaking love the Whole Foods. The left loves Whole Foods, but I don't know why. You can go to my uh, go to my Facebook and uh, while you're there, click on follow, and you can you can watch it. Now, I'm just going to tell you, it's, woof, man, a lot of F words. Now, if you're a white family and you hear a bunch of this mess going on, let me tell you, you wouldn't be comfortable with your kids going to her, her preschool. And, in fact, I think she should be fired. Because, let's flip this. I'm going to tell you what she says, and then we're going to flip it. F white supremacy. Now, she doesn't say F. I'm saying F because I don't, you know. F the U.S. empire. F your imperialist A lives. This S got to go. White people, give your effing money, your effing house, and your effing property. We need it effing all. Pause. As if that wasn't enough. And we need to start killing people. First off, we need to start killing the White House. The White House must die. The White House, your effing White House, your effing presidents, they must go. F the White House, your effing White House. <laughs> and then she said, burn it. And then she says, the woman told the crowd she was a preschool teacher who worked under white supremacy in her job for 40 effing hours a week. And then she had some kind of weird ideas here. I am an effing preschool teacher. Who's going to effing, and then I don't know what she says, teach your kids to throw that effing cop car in the garbage. This feces has to go. This feces has got to go. Now, you know, come on now. Come on. Now, you might look at that and you might laugh and say, well, you know, no big deal. No big deal. Come on. She's just a crazy one. That's all she is. Come on now. She's just mad. She's angry. She'll get over it. She'll calm down. No, she won't. She'll reload. Now, the things that she said, you know, warrant a visit from the United States Secret Service, in my opinion. I mean, it makes sense to me, right? Makes sense to you? Does to me. 
Now, she wasn't among all black people. The white people in the crowd were clapping and woohoo, yeah, yeah, the White House, and white people. Blah, blah, blah. Come on, don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. I don't think you have to agree, but don't be stupid about it. Nothing worse than being stupid unless you're ugly and smell bad. Yeah, nothing worse. Come on, preschool teacher. Now, I'm going to remind this preschool teacher, this this immigration uh, adjustment, this, this, hey, let's, we're obviously, this is not working. Let's put press pause here for 90 to 120 days. And then the same seven nations that, uh, <laughs> same seven nations that Barack Obama and that everybody was all for it, you know, and, 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 uh, you remember, um, Elian Gonzalez, you know, you remember when Bill Clinton was president? I mean, that kid got taken out of a closet. Little kid, six-year-old kid, got taken out of a closet at gunpoint, and the left was cheering. That well, was their president, and he got deported. Elian Gonzalez, remember that name? Janet Reno, was the Attorney General at the time. So President Trump, he didn't create a law. What he did was he carried out he his executive order carried out an existing law. Now, the text of Trump's uh, President Trump's exec, uh, executive order on immigration, it doesn't list any particular countries. It cites the prior law from the prior president. I don't even like saying his name. Unless there's a statement that ends with, got locked up today. It's existing law. His order just carried it out. The law President Trump's carrying out is the Visa, Visa Waiver Program Improvement and Terrorist Travel Prevention Act of 2015, signed into effect by the one Barack Hussein Obama. Now you need to understand facts, not farce hashtag facts, not farce. That's what I'm pushing here. Facts are important. They're, they mean a lot. They mean a lot. They mean everything. Little things don't mean a lot. They mean everything. So that's the deal. That's the deal. And the left and Democrats, they think a totally different way than you. You can't. Look, it's the way of lies. They think in the way of lies. It doesn't matter what's true or not true. They don't care. It does not matter, not even a little bit. It's not about truth. It's about what they can advance. It's about what they can advance. In a little bit, I'm going to talk about pastors and church folk, especially pastors, though. You all have ticked me off. I talk about you. I'm a pastor. People say, well, you're a pastor. What do you think? You know, so-and-so with such and such a big church is uh, you know, publicly saying that we need to do what the scriptures tell us. And I got something to say about that. But right now, we are super privileged to have uh, Mark Sutherland. I tell you, since uh, he followed me on Facebook, and, um, I, you know, I'll tell you what. It's very, very interesting. Hey, Mark, we got you here, buddy. How you doing? Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very well, Sean. Can you, can you hear me? Hear me? Absolute privilege. I can hear you perfectly. Uh, uh, it's my, fantastic. my privilege is mine. Privilege is mine. Thank you, thank you, thank How you are things over me. in the UK? Oh, are you kidding me? It's my pleasure. How are things over in the UK today? <laughs> well, we have a very, very interesting picture, don't we, sir? This is like we do. This is like um, after Brexit, 
okay? Um, and uh, just to put people briefly in the picture, I voted out. I, uh, I made a very small contribution in making a uh, documentary or of a, a, a talk, filming a talk called Flexit, the movie, F-L-E-X-C-I-T, um, presented by two experts that wrote a book called The History of Europe and the Great Deception. And the book outlines the fact that in 1973, we joined a supranational government, basically. It, uh, we were hoodwinked into that. We were told that we would keep our that we would have our democracy in all the West. And we actually joined a common market, which would be an open market without uh, trade, um, without trade barriers. Now, in 2009, 10, it became a political union. We did not join political union. But the whole thing about just quickly about the car, the uh, the whole EU, it was designed in 1924 by two people, Jean Monnet, Arthur Salter, and they managed to bring it about in 1956. And it was to then create a supranational government to by treaty by treaty, by taking the democracy away of the individual countries involved without telling anyone. So you asked me a question on what's going on. What I would say, like on that subject, is total and utter, utter ignorance, and people do not know their facts. And what's going on is that, and I just heard you quite rightly touch on the fact that uh, the previous administration, and I will use that word as well, in 2011 came up with a policy in regards to stopping people from seven countries entering your great nation. So people need to know the facts. And over here, there, there is a meltdown. There are marches. There are protests against the evil, evil administration of what Mr. Donald Trump has done. And, Mr. and, and I do apologize. Let's call him President Trump because he is your president, even if half the press over there are not calling him President Trump. He, president Donald Trump has won the presidential election. Hallelujah. I have certainly been praying for that as well. And the, the issue is this, is that people are not looking at the facts. They are believing the mainstream media and everything else that they are being pushed. And I'll tell you what, my dear friend, Sean, shall we even discuss, you know, shall we discuss the drone strikes? Shall we discuss the bombings that were done by the previous administration? Shall we discuss all that? It's as though Mr. Sure. Trump, you know, President Trump has done all this. He hasn't done all this. He's come into uh, he's come into um, into the presidency. He's put Mike Flynn, and you're certainly fully aware of uh, what that man um, has been talking about in regard to funding and creating ISIS and all the rest, and the total chaos. And I am, I mean, I, if I'm honest with you, you know, I'm just having to keep my gob shut and my head down. Right. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not mm -hmm. uh, sorry, I say keep my mouth shut. I do apologize. And, you know, within London, within the bubble. Now, you know more about this than me. That, but within Washington, I understand that there is a massive motorway, like a beltway, as they call it, around mm -hmm. Washington. Well, within London, mm -hmm. we have a beltway, to, where, beltway too. It's called the M25. And I think spiritually within London, after Brexit, it was it was like mayhem. Everyone just going mad, going how how can we vote out? Well, seventeen million four hundred and ten thousand seven hundred and forty two, with a majority of over a million voted out, and most of those people were outside London. They were not the liberal intelligentsia. 
who think they have a divine right to tell the rest of us who are trying to think, who are trying to look at the real news of what to do. And you, Sean, and as a nation, you have had, uh, you know, I have watched as you are, I think you've gathered, you're fully aware, and it's partly because of my short film, which I hope we'll come on to as well, but I have watched your election avidly. And I have been praying, and other people have been praying from this side of the pond. And I have said, I have stood by this, and I've nearly, I've lost a few friends over this, I have to say, and also agree not to discuss it with others, that I, from day one, have said that President Donald Trump needs to happen, and praise God, it has happened. And I see him as Osiris, and Isaiah 45 talks about that. Please hear me, I'm not a clever theologian. I am a committed Christian. I passionately believe in that and what the Bible says, and I stand on that. I've just put my, my cards on the table. And we, we as a nation had no right to give the sovereignty of our, of our nation away. We didn't have a right to do that. And President Trump is being criticized because he wishes to defend the nation that he is now president of by putting a 90-day ban, which is far shorter than the six-month ban that the previous administration had done. He wants to put in stringent checks to vet people coming into your country. He's not banning people permanently, but people need to know who's coming in and who is going out. And if mm -hmm. you are a sovereign nation, you have the right to do that. And that is the big issue. The big, this is, and for some, we end up going into the territory of conspiracy theory. And it's not conspiracy theory, my friend. I can back it all up. This is about globalism. This is open borders. This is George Soros on steroids, mm -hmm. right? And it's deeply, deeply worrying. Um, but, and I, I do apologize, Sean, because I'll, I'll be quiet. But I, you know. No, 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 you go on. There's a story to tell of my journey in all this. And I'm, I count it as a real privilege to be able to have conversations across the pond. And I, I'm having those more and more. And honestly, it is a real privilege. There is a joint fight going on. When we left, when we voted for Brexit, right? And I, I want to give you, I'll come, let's just give an, an update on that just quickly. Tonight in the House of Commons, and I'm looking at it on my computer screen now, is that the what's called Article 50 was voted through in the House of Commons, which is what we lodge as a nation to say we are now leaving the EU, right? Mm -hmm. 114 MPs in the House of Commons voted against it. It went through by a majority of 384. Now, bear in mind that the referendum had already been won with a majority of over a million people. And you've got 114 MPs saying, well, no, we're not going to go with the majority of the people. We're going to vote against it. Well, fortunately, now, why? Let me, let me interrupt you just one second. Mark, my Sorry, brother, why? Why, though? Why did those MPs, and those are your parliamentary members, much like our senators and congressmen, um, mm -hmm. why did they do that? Why did they go against what was clearly and obviously you know, why? Why would, they, why would they do that? Why did they go against what the people who, to whom they were to serve 
they were committed and sworn to serve. Why did they go against mm. what they know the people wanted? Well, that is an extreme, but that's an extremely good question. And the bottom line is because it is about the elitist intelligentsia. It's about the fact that we as a nation have forgotten how to run our own country for 43 years. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's start at the top. Could Conservative MP Kenneth Clark, he served in the Thatcher government. He served in other governments. He has been there. He is. He's mm -hmm. even attended the Bilderberg group. Right. You know who they mm -hmm. are. You can look it up. Yes. This is not conspiracy. He would go to Davos. Right. And meet with mm -hmm. the economic forum, an economic forum that dished out a 78 page report that was wonderfully presseed by uh, Lisa Haven on your side of the pond, who does some great stuff. And she presseed mm -hmm. all that. We cannot have populist movements seven times listening. You know, we can't have Trump, President Trump and all this. So Kenneth Clark at the top. I then go down and I noticed on the Guardian page here, Nick Clegg. Sheffield and Hallam. Nick Clegg was the deputy prime minister under the previous government, right? When it was a hung mm. parliament and the, the conservatives shared their government positions with the liberals. And that's very interesting because David Cameron, who then pushed for, you know, who then said, right, OK, we'll have a referendum in the end and expected to win. And he was upset when he actually got a majority government because he knew he had to push forward a referendum. So going back to your question, because, frankly, I think they have completely forgotten, a bit like on your side of the pond, people like Lindsey Graham, John McCain, where, and I have been educated in the fact that what a rhino is, Sean, you know, Republican in name only. I never realised these kind of things existed. Now I realise over here, it's like, it's only in my name only. I believe that, that the Europe, they seem to think that that's bigger than actually representing um, what people want from a democratic point of view and i have to say that the referendum was pushed forward was passed in our parliament by a majority of 40 mps they voted for this and like with you on your side of the pond it was such a battle it was a huge spiritual battle there was much prayer going on and in the eve on the eve of the uh, european uh, referendum um, a dear friend of mine who lives on the South Coast was telling me that they saw such lightning strikes. There was massive lightning strikes. And it was like that picture, mm. picture of, in heaven to me of the spiritual mm -hmm. battle in the second heaven going on. And, if, mm -hmm. and you know, I'm, I'm sure I know that your listeners are fully on, on, on page with this. But if people, mm -hmm. you know, people don't realize that there's a spiritual battle going on. And I really do not know where they've been living. And I know through friends of mine and other people I've seen that on your side of the Atlantic, you have been on your knees praying as well. And that's why oh, no doubt. President, Donald, President Donald Trump is, is now in, in the presidency. So you ask a brilliant question. I am shocked by some of these. I mean, you know, to me now, now it goes from the House of Commons into the House of Lords and it needs to get through the House of Lords. And that could be very, very interesting. Um, but mm -hmm. the but the, the the point is now if if you voted against this, then you really should be deselected as an MP. Now, a vast majority, a massive group of these people, are all the uh, Scottish National Party, and 
most of there was a big uh, in regard to the Scottish vote. You know, there was a massive uh, majority of people wanting to stay inside the referendum and uh, stay inside mm-hmm. the EU. So, um, you know, we we are we are coming out, and there is because of what uh, the decision that President Trump has made. In in other words, he's done an unusual thing. His first. He's only been uh, in the in the uh, presidential uh, position for just just over a week. This Friday will be two weeks. Everything he said that he said when he was campaigning, all his promises, he's virtually done all of them, right? Mm-hmm. He's actually been right. an unusual uh, politician in the fact that I'm going to put these forward. And the one thing, the one thing, so I, I will say this, the one thing, that I'm still praying he's going to do because he's got to do it, which is to move your embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. I right? agree. He's promised that he needs to do it. And as you know, and uh, hear me, I'm not a clever theologian. When it talks about Genesis 12 in regard to blessing that nation and how you will be blessed, right? That, that needs to happen and you will be blessed as a nation we know what will happen you know if you've got i've seen it and and uh you know my people are destroyed through lack of knowledge and over here over here and over there there are people that just do not want to go and get the knowledge they do not want to gain that knowledge they do not want to look around the subject sorry sean Mm -hmm. yeah i'll I'll stop a second you know, but no, 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 no. I, I want that. You, you spoke briefly about. Uh, you mentioned Hosea uh, four, and my people are destroyed for yeah, want of knowledge yeah. because you rejected yeah. knowledge. I will also reject you as Cohen for me because you forgot the Torah of your God. I will also forget your children. And uh, you're absolutely right. I remember uh, my buddy Jerry from Pennsylvania is on chat, and uh, one of my very best friends ever. He um, he had a bumper sticker on there, and uh, and I remember right after. Hussein Obama was was put into office, uh, you know, he he shared that with me, and I knew about the scripture, but I never thought of it as it applies to uh, Obama's presidency. And what I have to say is, is initially I said, hey, you know, I, I was ringing the gong, uh, screaming to people, listen, you can't allow this guy in office. I've read his books, I've watched his, uh, I've watched his. Uh, all of the different, uh, you know, appearances, listen to his speeches. And I thought, first of all, this guy didn't write this. This guy did not write these speeches. He, and he didn't write the book. Because when you see him sp- Be- speak... Be- 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 like, yeah. Bel-El, Belair's wrote them, didn't he? I think so. I think Bill Ayers did write them. Because when you watch Bill Ayers give a speech, there's a, there's the, uh, the timber and tenor of his speech is very... There's a commonality with what uh is in obama's book and also in the in the uh, and if you listen to the audio book now this is how I, I this is how i uh i reviewed his books first i listened to the audio book and when you listen to that it's pretty pretty stunning it's pretty stunning because it really stands out and so but but the thing about that you said about the people you know they they lack knowledge we, we and, yeah. and in your part of the world and in our part of the world uh, there's there's this thing called the press, and the press here has found 
its obligation was not to give knowledge or truth, but to simply uh, cover truth, to simply to, to, to cover everything up. And, and uh, it's troubling from the standpoint that uh, the press has been given, and, and this is what I love, uh, this is what I really love. And, and, you know, there's a modern perspective here. Knowledge, this is a saying that I have, is knowledge is the acceptance, acceptance of facts and wisdom uh, what that is, is but knowledge judiciously applied. We've got to judiciously apply knowledge. Otherwise, it means nothing. Knowledge, you can know something that's not factual. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it becomes facts, not farce. Absolutely. And I think, and, and, and the key thing is in that translation, and I want to, I, I just want to tell you what books are in front of me in a minute, right? Mm -hmm. Because the reason I said that about Bill Ayers is not to be clever, but I want to be, you see, when you have the, when I have the privilege to talk to you and others on your side of the pond, if I am not speaking from a position of trying to learn about your country, right, then I'm ignorant. So the first thing is to say that you are not a democracy. You are a republic. Right. And you, you saw that interview maybe with me the other day on that television show. Where it was I excellent. Said that. It was really, really I good. Well, that is very kind of you. And when I had one or two people on your side of the pond say, thank you, Mark, we are Republic, that absolutely, you know, that, that made my day. Because I am trying to come to terms with the three houses, and it's one of the of the three stalls of the executive branch, and it's one of three stalls of, the, of, of your government, an executive branch being one of them, and we see how much that's been abused with a phone and a pen in the previous administration. Mm -hmm. But... But And I'm giving clues. I want to say to you that I am learning. I'm trying to absorb and I'm learning about what is going on. And the problem mm. is, is that then you become a bit of an expert and people do not want to come near you. And I am looking at Pamela Geller and Robert Spencer's book, The Post-American Presidency. I have oh, that here. Excellent. Excellent I, book. Excellent I, book. I, I read that. I read that three or four. I read that four years ago. And I just, I, my mouth went on the floor. And I'm going to say to you that I suppose uh, six years ago, I really began to wake up to globalism and a load of other things that are going on. And my worldview, which I distinctly say, um, you know, it, it goes through scripture, but my worldview through scripture is maybe a bit different to the sort of certain aspects of the mainstream church. So I look at that. And you're absolutely right. And then we look at Dinesh D'Souza's uh, documentaries that he's done, Obama's America, or et cetera, et cetera. Then I'm looking at another book I have here called Rules for Radicals by Sal Alinsky, right? You're most probably mm -hmm. familiar with that book as well. Oh, absolutely, I'm, I'm yeah. Holding, I'm holding that in my hand right now. And I could not believe it. I ordered this book because I said, you know, I couldn't believe it when um, when you open it. And it says, you know, I, uh, I, um, what's, I, uh, lest we forget, lest we forget an over the shoulder acknowledgement to the very first radical from all our legends, mythology and history. And who is to know where mythology leaves off and history begins or which is which? The first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment and did it so effectively that he at least won his own kingdom, Lucifer. Now, this is, you know, I couldn't believe it when I heard that. And I had to order the book to read it for myself. We know what that book is. We know 
who wrote her um, her uh, sort of MA or her dissertation and was taught by that man. And that was a woman called uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton. And I'm not making right. that up either. And No, no, we talk then, about it on the show all the time. I know you do. And I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness me. You know, the 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 fact that we have to get this information out there. You you have had a huge challenge. So 1,583 different, I think, media outlets, television, radio, papers, whatever, in the States are owned by six companies. Before President Donald Trump was the president, Donald Trump took the heat like no other person in regard mm -hmm. to the mainstream news. I have... From my perspective over here, I have never seen anything like it. So we have, you know, the Communist News Network. You have All Behind Clinton. You know, we could go on with all the other sort of uh, humoristic uh, abbreviations. It was shocking. And they, they basically, as I, as I said the other night, they had, all the press had swallowed, had swallowed the sort of the Edward Bernays propaganda textbook and rammed it down the American people's throat. And I just want to commend whoever's listening to the program. I want to commend you because I believe that this election, that so many American so many Americans have engaged in your politics in a way like that you have not done for so for a number of years, right? And that mm -hmm. what has happened is that Donald Trump, before he was the president, and this is, I just say this respectfully, he exposed all this when he would spear his rallies, and friends of mine were in those rallies as well. You know, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30,000 people would be turning up. And over here, that wasn't reported. When he's saying, turn the cameras round, and he, they wouldn't do it, they're not talking, they're not talking about that. And when she only got, Hillary Rodham Clinton only got 300, and yes, this is going to sound wacky. I've even seen footage where I thought, well, that's a green screen. Mm. That's fake. And you and, wouldn't... And you being a filmmaker, you would know when, when green screen's being used. <laughs> You're a filmmaker. I, 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 yeah, I don't know if people realize, uh, if you didn't catch the open... Um, you know, Mark Sutherland is, is a filmmaker, and I've watched his films. They're impressive. They're very impressive. Hey, tell before I forget, because I don't want to I don't want to mess up and forget. Tell them about your film about Daniel, if you would, real quick, and where they can see it. Well, that's very kind of you. So Daniel, so um, Between Lambs and Lions is a short film, and it is something that you know I am dying to make a longer version. So I'll just say that. So Between Lambs and Lions can be found on YouTube. It can also be found on uh, Vimeo. I can post it to uh, your Facebook page again, Sean. But if you go on Between Lambs and Lions, if you Google that in, you will find it on YouTube. Um, if you find me on Facebook, it's there. Um, so what a young, a very talented young, and I've had the privilege to uh, mentor and just be a friend of, and a friend of this young uh, guy. He entered a competition and he didn't win. I then phoned him up and I said, I love this film. And the whole premise is, is to take the book of Daniel um, from the Old Testament and set it in the modern context of Washington politics. Now, I'm talking 2014, Sean. 
right? I saw mm-hmm. this and my mouth went on the floor and I went, oh my goodness, this is prophetic. And he did such a fantastic job. So then we made the short film and I would love to, I want to, there is a feature film script, I want to make the longer version. And we, the film then uh, describes a time when the, the executive branch, uh, there's complete overreach by the executive branch. The constitution has been suspended. The Star Spaniel banger is, uh, ba- banner is banned from being sung. And you have the character of Daniel Alesso, Daniel from scripture, in the bowels mm. of, of the, of, um, the uh, Senate building then. And I believe that maybe in the past, that's where the laws were made in Congress. And then um, he is challenged by another character and he decides to, he then has a, an interaction with President Nebuchadnezzar, played by a black actor. Um, you can work it out, everybody. And then it goes from there. And he then decides to make a stand to save the Republic. I would never have dreamed in my wildest dreams that uh, someone like Donald Trump would enter the stage. And some people would be very, very uncomfortable for me to even draw those conclusions because they Mm. need to be exercised of some of their liberal views. So that's it. That is the story. Um, I'm very passionate about it. I love it. And by doing the little film, it has amazed, it has uh, enabled me to then be here talking to you and to talk to others and to do some of the stuff I've done and have the connections with, with America. Because, you know, the land of the free, it's what it represents. And people fled Europe so that they could go to the land of the, you know, the Pilgrim Fathers. Uh, and I'm not saying my history is brilliant on this, but go to America mm-hmm. to be able to freely practice their faith. So mm-hmm. the film Between Lambs and Lions was my small contribution to try and help wake people up to what's going on in the world, right? And to draw attention to what's happening in your great nation. And that that is what it's about. So the the animation at the beginning is deliberate. It's deliberate. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's powerful. War rage. Yeah, well, thank you. Endless war raged. And I'll just say this. The Chinese man, the, the guy who runs Alibaba, the, uh, the business in uh, China, um, reportedly said a few weeks ago, and maybe it was at Davos Forum, that, that America has spent $12 million, trillion on wars over the, you know, since maybe 1992. $12 trillion. You have a debt of 20 trillion, and half of that was run up by the previous administration. You have uh, mineral reserves to a tune of 120 trillion under your um, under your soil, right? Um, mm-hmm. That raises another issue, and of course, you know we know what uh, with uh, with what uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton was doing in regard to taking various uh, uh, kickbacks from a, a Russian Canadian company and selling, uh, selling minerals, um, abroad, uh, uh, to that particular company. So, and that was even in the New York post, I believe in May 2000 or May last year. So that can all be verified and all checked out. So that's about the film. Sorry, I've slightly gone off, but if people could find that, if people could watch it, if they could share it, if they could boost up, you know, the hits, I'm, 
it's sad it's not 100,000, but it would be brilliant. Um, but it is something that I really, really, really would love to see made because I think it has an important message. And also, very often, we we have to be clever about how we get, you know, scripture and truth out there. And I believe it's quite a clever, it's a clever vehicle. You know, in that I like regard. it. I think it's impressive. Hey, we have some questions uh, streaming in here, uh, both through messaging okay. and, and all of that. And they're great questions. We have a really, really intelligent audience. Um, and and so, Brilliant. yeah, well, it's it's true. It's true. They're sharp and they've been very excited to hear from you. Um, I, I'm, and, and this is a question I think I would have as well. Um, the methodology, uh, and, and, and this young lady is, is also a radio host, has an excellent show. I've been privileged to be on uh, several times. Does Mark approve of the methodology of the English Defense League in raising awareness about Islamic issues? And I want to tie that into Jerry from Pennsylvania's question. What is Britain thinking about Muslim immigrants and what are they doing? Because over here, what we see is what they allow us to see. So we don't know... When I look at it now, I have contacts all over and, uh, you know, my daughter and good friends, uh, daughters and, and children have been in uh, England over the past, you know, uh, just few months. And so from a security standpoint, I always run advance work and, and all of that and try to find uh, colleagues right. that wouldn't mind right. just keeping an eye on things. Uh, but yeah. as far as the goings on, so... The methodology of the English Defense League in, in raising awareness about Islamic issues, how do you feel about that? And then what what is what is Great Britain doing about Muslim immigrants? Because And how do they really feel? Because we see over here, it's appalling. I, I, I look at it and I say to myself, how could they allow this to go on? And then you jump a little bit over to Germany. Of course, Europe is that way. It's Everything is so close. Mm -hmm. You jump over to Germany and Angela Merkel seems like she has just got a love affair with Muslims. And why is that? Both in, both in your well, great country and, and in the rest of England, or the rest of well, uh, let's, Europe. Let's, let's take a divide, and I will tackle this problem. I will answer your question. And they are very important questions, and they are also questions that mean that I now have to seriously think about what I'm going to say. Because we, we do not have such a clear First Amendment rights, I believe, in regard to free speech. And that, and then it's like turning around and saying, what is hate speech and all the rest. So let's just distinguish. We are talking about Islam as a faith, right? Which yes. Which is not a, pe a people group. It's a political ideology. Uh, now, I refer some... to it... Uh... I refer to it in my writing and on my shows and in my speeches because mm. um, mm. I, I speak uh, nationally on, on, on that topic. Mm. What is Islam? Mm. And, and it is not a religion. It is a religious, no. political, and, and military ideology. Mm. Mm. And for me to even say that here, well, I've said it on your side of the pond. Some people go, well, what are we do, talking about? Well, then when, when we talk about the, uh, I think, the gates of Vienna in 1687, etc right. in regards to battle we then say why has the vatican got hybrid walls all around it i believe it was for marauding islamic armies now we have to understand that i want these muslims to become christians i firmly believe that we do not share the same god that jesus said i am the way the truth and the life 
and no one gets to the Father except through me. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Now, Absolutely. any faith, any faith that has, and not all of them, not all of them do that in regard to the violence and jihadism, but any faith that feels threatened, that it seems perfectly acceptable to pick up an AK-47 and express that in a violent way, needs to be questioned. I am sad, and I find this fascinating when the left do not question the fact that, you know, we have um, within the Islamic faith, there are women in full purdah and all the rest. And over here, Emily Pankhurst, etc., pushing for women's rights would be uh, churning in her grave over that issue. Mm-hmm. Going to the English Defence League, on one level, yes, I know about them. On the other hand, I know a little about them. The problem is, is that when you say that, you are then called a racist, Islamophobe, bigot, and all the rest. Now, which is the continual tool of the left to throw at us. If you then are turning round, if certain people who believe in Islam turn around and say, and our big question is to turn around and go, right, if there are 107 verses, I believe, in the Quran that talk about killing the infidel and stuff like that, then what's your answer on that? Where's the reformation of this particular faith? If you turn around and say, well, we believe in Sharia law, and we believe that Sharia law is above British common law. And let's talk about this. So the European Union and the European courts, the European governance is profoundly different to um, British common law. And British common law is what a lot of, uh, in regard to empire, is a lot of what um, the basis of those, uh, the democracy of those countries was then based on. The Sharia law is not higher than the the American Constitution. So then if you've got this issue, you've then got a faith that says we are to um, take ground. We wish to for us to turn countries into Islamic states. That is what our faith talks about. And then, of course, we could get into dimitude. We could get into talking about that they have a right to lie and all these kinds of things. Now, on the other hand, I am not promoting, you know, racism and all the rest. However, we have a situation where this is this is the law of this land. And then other people want to come and turn around and say, well, we would like Sharia law and all the rest. But we well, Mustafa Carroll, if, if I may interrupt, Mustafa, in our own country, in Mustafa Carroll, uh, he is uh, uh, he's the director of care. And yeah. uh, he's Council here of he's in Texas. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and he has been quoted quite proudly. If we are practicing Muslims, we are above the law of the land. Sharia or nothing. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, we kid ourselves, we delude ourselves. It, I'll tell you what it, it likens to, to me, the LGBT and whatever other questions, whatever other letters they have, when they walk around with banners that say, I love 
Muslims. I welcome Muslims. And even some crude things that they put. And it cracks me up because I think to myself, how deluded are you? Because they're throwing right. off roofs in, uh, in in certain Islamic countries. I mean, you see, this is the whole point, and and it's a bit like um, I've I've come a long way, if I'm honest, in the fact that to actually then talk about this because mm-hmm. people won't. Well, it's got to be nerve wracking for you. It's got to be a little yes. uh, tense for you because you see yes. see America uh, in in America we can still say quite pretty much what we what we want however with one distinction uh depends on what what side you're speaking of or what issue you're speaking of where whereas in your country and now as i understand it uh in canada trudeau has made it uh so that uh, a preacher preacher can't preach Uh, so you do it's 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 hard for us to believe on this on this side of the pond that you have to be careful what you're what you're saying and it, well, it is I mean, amazing think, to me, but it's sad. Well, it, but it is. And the thing is, is that, um, right, so the, you know, the Bible, uh, and I'd be interested, the people that sent those questions, and they are great questions, and if you're still living, if you're still listening, then please let me know if I'm trying to answer them. You know, I mean, the the, the Bible talks about watchmen on the walls, and the responsibility mm-hmm. of that. And there you are on the right. wall shouting and screaming. And I have to say to you that in, in uh, I suppose, since 2010, I've begun to wake up. In answering the question, let, let's look at this, honestly. So in 92, 93, we have the first Gulf War. Yeah. So we have mm-hmm. the Gulf War. We go in. Uh, Kuwait gets involved, invaded by Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein has a, and I've forgotten the uh, the particular ambassador or politician, American politician at the time, has a discussion. She, as if to say, she opened a, a door as if to give a hint to say, well, if you want to invade Kuwait, get on with it. Um, I'm not sure whether her name is, is, no, I can't think of a name at the moment. Anyway, then you have, and these exist because this is a shock. Then in 1997, um, we have uh, something called the Project of the New American Century. I used to have it here. I don't know whether it's online. So on page 55, and we may get into territory, and I don't mean to be offensive at all because it's how people, we view that event. But on page 55 of that report, it says that America needs another Pearl Harbor. So mm-hmm. 2001, America has its Pearl Harbor. Now, I'm not going to discuss with you whether it's an inside job or whatever. I have my own personal views on that. And it's a very sensitive issue. But on the other hand, there are global forces. This is globalism. Right. So we then have people like George Soros floating in the background. In 92-93, jumping back, that man was responsible for making billions out of the fact that the Bank of England got kicked out of the exchange rate mechanism. Just remember, you know, we need to remember that. So we jump ahead to 2001 and what happened? Dreadful pictures of the towers coming down and the accusations that uh, this is done by, you know, people with Saudi Arabian passports and all this kind of thing. Then the Bush administration takes a breath and then a few weeks later decides to carpet bomb Afghanistan. And then we 
start evading Iraq, and then we have the uh, the anthrax vial, and I've forgotten the um, yeah Colin Powell shaking this. We over here we have the dodgy the dodgy dossier, and before we know it, we've invaded Iraq, and we've said that Saddam Hussein, you know, was all was responsible for uh, blowing up uh, the twin towers, even though there'd been in the first attempt, I think, in 1993 under Bill Clinton. And the rest is history. We go in there and we cause chaos. It's uncomfortable because there's a cause and effect, right? And suddenly mm -hmm. we're bombing countries and all the rest. We have to own up to that. We have to see what's gone on. And I will say to you, my dear friend, you know, I believed it. I have very different views now. I believe that. So suddenly we're in a situation where Hillary, let's jump ahead. So Hillary Clinton becomes head of the uh, State Department. You know, we came, we saw he died, ha ha ha, in Libya. We turned Libya into a complete basket case. We make sure that in, you know, before that, the previous administration's leader is going around on an apology tour to the Middle East and manages to arrange regime change in Egypt. Morsi then gets in. Uh, Hillary Clinton has very strong links, I believe, with Mr. and Mrs. Morsi. Mrs. Morsi, uh, they then are... Um, what happens there is that the other parties that were wanting to uh, stand against them, who, who uh, believe in democracy and all the rest, she rushed that election through, and you then basically get the Muslim Brotherhood inside Egypt. Mm -hmm. You then blow up Libya. Gaddafi at one point said, if you get rid of me, you know, you'll have uh, Islamic uh, invasion in regard to Europe, or words to that effect. The fact that we mm -hmm. get rid of Libya, we get rid of Gaddafi because he's about to uh, set up a uh, an African currency backed by gold. The big question is, I wonder where all the gold has gone in Libya. No, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. We can work. We can begin to work this out because when we look at the WikiLeaks emails, when we look at all that stuff, um, we look at uh, thing, all the John Podesta emails and stuff like this. That information is out there. And you and I have looked at it. Other people listening to this show have looked at it because we're going to do the research. Shall we then work out? that the sort of um, uprising in the Middle East is to cause utter deliberate chaos. So in 2010, an oil pipeline is going in the wrong direction. Various people, countries get together and say, oh, we don't like that. And they're going in the wrong direction in Syria, in Assad. So we then start blaming him and making him the nasty person. So we decide to go in there and bomb the absolute crap out of Syria. And then we wonder why there is what we call blowback. But this is deliberate. It's an open border policy that people like George Soros, etc., believe in. Now, for me, from a Christian point of view, and this is where I have a lot of personal criticism and all the rest, and hear me, I am not a prophet, but we're looking at the signs of the times and we're looking at what's going on. And we look at the EU and we go, well, there's another sort of establishment of the sort of 
of the Tower of Babel again. We want to create a one world government system. And that to me, my dear friend, is what has gone on. And sadly, your fellow uh, brave soldiers and over here as well, but I particularly talk about Americans and my uh, my nephew um, is a Marine and has served in Afghanistan as well and sadly seen a dear friend of his killed. Um, you, you know, soldiers have been out there dying in dying in thousands. OK, for what is it for for globalist dreams and to cause this utter chaos. And that is what is going on. So you then create people movement. So it means that those people will then vote for you. You are then not addressing what's going on. We are then taking the uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. OK, and I believe and as, as I say, I'm not a theologian, but my own particular understanding of that. And a dear friend of mine has just written a very good book that I've just has just come off the printing press. An EU post-referendum reflection called Shaken is written by Andrew Bagley. And he said in here, which I thought was really clever, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, the other point made by Jesus is that the Samaritan did not take the traveler back to Samaria, but helped him in his own country. Bombing other people's countries is not helping them at all. And that is another issue that we have to address. And I'm those brilliant people that sent those questions. I'm not I'm, I'm trying to answer it. I'm not trying to I'm trying to uh, I'm not trying to avoid it because personally. And Angela Merkel doing what she's doing did. No, I don't agree with her. And I cannot argue I cannot argue, and it's taken me a while to look at it, when on Pamela Geller's site, when we see this is what's happening in Sweden, this is what's happened at Cologne in Germany, blah de blah and it takes a few, it takes 24, 48 hours for the BBC to report that and all this kind of thing. This is tough to face up to this. When, a, when someone criticised me, for the fact that I raised the fact that Saudi Arabia has 300,000 tents that would uh, a million people could fit in. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, that's not very, very helpful. You are being really racist to even raise that. When we talk about the fact that, um, you know, we have to address this people movement of suddenly a massive influx into uh, Germany of unvetted we look at the lorry driving into that uh, into that Christmas mm. market and other events. It is no wonder, and now we quite rightly call him, that President Donald Trump takes the security of his country seriously. Because mm -hmm. this is about the EU. The EU is a leg of supernational governments, is a leg mm -hmm. of world government. Yep. Now, my Globalism. own understanding... Uh, Globalism. My own understanding of scripture says this through other dear friends of mine that are done so clever than I am on this uh, subject, is that when Jesus returns, Jesus will return to judge the nations. Right. We have to bear that in mind. That suddenly, right, well, first of all, if we wipe out Israel, if we believe that 
you know, uh, that Jesus will return to the Mount of Olives, walk through the Mount of Olives, then come through the Eastern Gate. Well, we've already tried to brick that up. So now we get rid of Israel off the face of the earth, so we can't bring Jesus back and all these kind of things, right? So mm-hmm. we have to look at the global, the global governments, what's going on. And personally, personally, I believe that the left are using uh, radical Islam profoundly undermine Western civilization and all the rest, right? And that is what is going on. And that's not comfortable to say. It's not comfortable to say over here or even have those uh, discussions. And frankly, as you may have gathered, no, I haven't shared. Uh, let's be honest. I haven't shared the fact that I'm talking to you tonight. I have to be, I'm mindful of that. I do have tragic. friends praying. Yes. Yeah. Now, I, yeah, that's I, tragic. I, 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 Sean, will be weighing that up, right? Because mm-hmm. what's happening now is that a number of people are finding, you know, we're finding our our uh, our balls basically and we're having to saddle up and we're having to say it like it is because mm-hmm. if we don't then certain things will go down a particular road that are unacceptable and it's distinguishing between islam and a people group and as mm-hmm. i said i want those people to become christians and let's just say this in iran there are many many muslim people turning to Jesus. That mm-hmm. is a fact. There's other things going on like that across across um, across that uh, across that continent. Now, like on your side of the pond, over here, over here, is that when you have that, when you have people groups moving, they then start to vote for you if you provide things for them. That's exactly what's happening on your side of the pond in regard to sanctuary cities and all the rest. And I believe in the election that even, you know, the previous, the previous president turned his blind eye in regard to getting illegal aliens to register to then vote. And it looks like that the voter fraud, that president Donald Trump was actually absolutely right, that there looks like 3 million um, votes in regard to fraud that were undertaken in your election. And just for the record, let's just make this profoundly clear. The Russians did not hack your election. What happened is that emails were released to WikiLeaks and the American people, and I'm talking to some of you now, thank God you decided to read things. You decided to go and educate yourselves. And you grasped that information because you always knew it. And you went out in your millions and you voted for President Trump. And I have said it, who, of course, is not. He's not a perfect person. And nor are you and nor are we. But the bottom line is, is that he was used. He is being used to take a wrecking ball to the the Republicans and the Democrats at the top Mm -hmm. who go to the same golf club. Who have been feeding off, you know, the the, uh, the breast of, uh, of 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 lobbyists and and um, uh, companies and becoming extremely wealthy. People like Harry Harry Reid and all the rest and 
pushing people off their land, like the Bundy Ranch and etc., like mm. the Deer Bundys, etc. So all of this going on, I'm not saying that to show off. I'm trying to say that Mm-mm. I'm educated about what's going on, and you are able to tell me more about what's going on because it's mm-hmm. we're having to look at these things in the face. And the key thing from a Christian point of view, so from a church point of view, right? You know, love thy mm-hmm. love thy neighbour. And it's like, well, they're our neighbours. Well, no, not exactly. And look at look at what's behind it. That's why I've just described the whole thing of if we go around doing drone strikes and bombing people, then there is going to be blowback. And what do we expect? And what do we expect? And I believe that the whole of this is deliberate, is deliberate, utter globalism chaos. And do you say that there is a, a plan? Yes, I do. And of course, when we say that, we then go into tinfoil hat territory and we all get accused of being total and utter loonies. But the, but the WikiLeaks email have shown when you have a situation. So you, have a, you all know this when um, uh, what's her name, who was head of the uh, Democratic uh, lot, who turned around and denied that she was feeding emails. She said, I'm a good, upstanding Christian woman. Donna, I forgot Donna Brazil. Donna, Donna, Brazil. Donna Brazil. She said she had never yeah. been, Donna Brazil had never been challenged in this way before. And she said, frankly, as a Christian woman, uh, I am appalled and highly offended. You would ever doubt my, I'm a Christian. I go yeah. to church. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, thing, is, the thing is, I mean, um, uh, Mason Weaver, who's a wonderful guy on your side of the pond, even said it tonight, is the fact that the, the left, the way they are attacking is such a shock to the Republicans that you guys have got to start, you know, not having this anymore, not putting up mm-hmm. with this. You know, it's yeah. outrageous. The fact that people I, think it's perfectly accept, acceptable to riot and cause violence. It's just unbelievable. Sorry. Well, Sorry. you know, Mark, if I, that's okay. If I might interrupt, um, a couple things I want to, I want to talk about uh, and, and get your take on it. I, I was, not shocked, but but saddened when uh, London Mayor Sadiq Khan was voted in. But no, I wasn't shocked because that's how the RPM or religious, political and military ideology of Islam works. Mm-hmm. They go in under the guise of religion. They get special treatment. They they take uh, the political part of it. They take uh, mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it in the UK where you get money from the government and then um almost like a pensioner status, they get money, they get flats, they, you know, all of these different things and they drain the financial strength under the guise of, Hey, you people are loving people, welcoming people, Christians and whatnot, take us in. Well, then this guy runs for mayor and gets elected easily. Said he con the, the crazy thing about it is, is he, uh, he, uh, has rescinded his offer for a full state visit to president, uh, Donald J. Trump. And he and but it's interesting to me. He wants Trump banned from the UK, uh, but but he has banned Israel. I mean, he his views on Israel are are uh, unbelievable. I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the article now. I'm yeah. looking at the article now. Now I, you see, within within the Labour Party, as it has been exposed, right? There has been there is huge uh, anti-Semitism. Right. Oh, within terrible. the Labour Party. And uh, um, I'm just let's just read this. Let's just read this. Yeah. I mean, we we have got 
you you basically described um, you've described Coward and Pibbin, right? You right, Coward and Pibbin. That's that. right. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Coward oh yeah. We Pibbin. talk about it a lot. Yeah. So you yeah, you're fully and aware of that. Yeah. In regard to the fact that you uh, basically you bust you bust the system. So here yep. we are. Um, so Sadiq Khan has called on the government to rescind its offer of a full state visit to President Trump. Um, but he's hosting the largest ever gathering of ambassadors and dignitaries at City Hall on Tuesday night. Um, talk about that. Now, hold on. Where Where is it? However, the dignitaries from 11 of the 16 countries who permanently block travel by Israeli passport holders, bam, yeah, et cetera. So it's, it's here. I mean, what, what, mm-hmm. what can I say except... Um, well, whatever could you expect to come from that? But nothing but bad. Why would they ever think? And this, and this is this is the frustrating thing. And I talked about this. I spoke. I did a um, a social media uh, post today because there was a pastor who I watched grow up. I I know who he is. He's in a large church in Texas. Very nice young man. Very well educated. Uh, he's you know like I say he's air quotes successful pastor. And I wrote this. I said, for folks, it, it, and the reason I wrote this, I was incensed by it, because he was saying, hey, church, Scripture tells us that we're to take people in when they when they come. If there's a stranger in town, we're supposed to take them in. The Bible tells us this. And I wrote, for folks, pastors especially, quoting Leviticus 19.33 and following, as the reason well we should be an open borders country and just let in all of the alleged refugees. First of all, stop taking Scripture out of its Hebrew context. Learn the accurate mm-hmm. Hebrew context. Little things don't mean a lot. No, little things mean everything. Then once you've found yourself in proper historical, linguistic, and cultural context, read the commands of Hashem, or God, in dealing with the enemy who seeks to destroy you and his lands. Here's what he does. That guy bows five times a day toward Mecca, praying that that Allah, and we did not, you're absolutely correct. Not the same God. His his Allah is a moon God, um, and and but but Allah praying. They pray five times a day. Please Allah, give me the opportunity to kill the infidel. And so I tell people in the third point here: read the Quran, read the Umdad al Salik, uh, but first read an article by United States Navy SEAL Andy Stumpf, who is an amazing human being in his own right. Um, and I say this because send me until that, send me that. Yeah, send I will. Me that. Absolutely. Sorry. I absolutely will. That's, a, that's okay. It's posted on uh, my Facebook page as well, but I'll repost it. Uh, and, then I, and then I say, why do I want you to do these three things? Well, because until you have an accurate context of who and what you're talking about, and of course, we have, uh, we, we have the London mayor. He's unapologetically Muslim. He knows that many Muslims have been given... Um, Council housing and benefits. Thank you, uh, Kel, for for reminding me of what that's called. And and then they they give him this London's Muslim. Uh, it, it's they they give him this position that allows him to do things, and nobody really is going to speak up to him because everyone's afraid of being a racist, except or a bigot, except when you're talking about Israel or Christians. It's okay. To, yeah, to denigrate yeah. them, but it's yeah. not okay uh, for, for Islam. So I say, be, but, but until you have an accurate context of who and what you're talking about, until you've been gun and blade to gun and blade with a man who prays five times a day for the blessed opportunity from Allah to kill you and your family, well, then you just don't have context. And what barks at me 
in in this and i i wrote a lot more than i gave the uh, thing and i'll send it to you um what barks in me in this is the utter nonsense jerry from pennsylvania one of our great listeners and one of my best friends um he he pointed out they seem crazy they they seem crazy the left seems crazy but islam they're not stupid they're not cave dwellers they're not crazy because they know they know the left in our country the the liberals in your country uh and and, and in europe in general and, and and really in many countries around the world they're falling for it <laughs> political correctness co-opting yeah. the vernacular co-opting yeah. the vernacular that we yeah. say changing yeah. words and phrases yeah. You've just said it. Political correctness is a spirit. Yeah. So it's the spirit of communism. So the wall came down Absolutely. in 1989. And to me, that's what it's become. And I will say this. I will say this, right? I um, I'm then not, I'm not going to be popular because it's like, yes, but this is our Christian duty, love this and all the rest. Okay. So this is really interesting. So when Jesus sent out his disciples, the second time, he told them to go and buy a sword, right? Yep, sell their cloak and buy a sword. Right. If you don't have a sword, get you one. Right. And the kingdom of, of, you know, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. And what's happening, and it's just, you know, I mean, it, to even discuss this, what's happening is the fact that slowly that um, for me, Jesus is not, meek and mild and it's all la 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 i think he went into the temple and turned the money changes over and just went i've had enough and people are working things through and i'm afraid exactly like what's happening in america whether you go to certain big churches which we won't name but some of them have very very nice uh, shiny teeth and they sell a heck of a lot of books and they're full Mm -hmm. of uh, churches where people attend the size of football stadiums and they will not address the real issues. And, no, oh, it's all about love. It's fine. Um, we have that over here. We have a huge um, emerging church nonsense as well. Um, yeah. we, have, uh, we have all this uh, certain elements of interfaith and all the rest. And I have to say to you, there'd be certain people that I know that are ministers that would just turn around and go, well, we ain't going to talk to you anymore. We don't want to talk to you anymore. You're just sounding like this, this, and this. Well, we stand on scripture, and we stand on what on what's happening, and um, I and I don't think it will happen. I'm praying it won't happen, but I don't agree with the Sharia law. Uh, I don't want that in this country. I wouldn't want to have that in other parts of the world. But we know where it is, where we are suppressing fifty percent. You know what? What the other half of uh, of the population, which is women, etc., um, and we believe, as I say, we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. How this works out at the moment, in regard to politically, because, as you know, that Islam uses democracy against us, right? It's using the American Constitution against you. And Theresa May, as the Prime Minister. Uh, up until now, when she was Home Secretary, she was very, very good at following a brief, but may not be so good at actually taking the lead herself. Now she's been pushed into a situation where she has to really take the lead. 
And some of these issues have got to be discussed because they are not uh, discussed. And it goes it goes back uh, a number of years, goes back to the Tony Blair government, 2004, um, in regard to the fact that there were Eastern European countries about to have membership of uh, the EU and migration from those countries was just they weren't uh, they weren't being uh, vetted they weren't really being interviewed and then it was all just freely coming in there was a, a whistleblower called Steve uh, Moxon who used to work mm-hmm. uh, for the home office in immigration who who talked about all these issues and i i suddenly feel a little bit embarrassed in some ways because i feel as though i'm catching up on these issues uh, very very fast and um now we're talking about them and we're not popular but there are a, a, a lot of people who are waking up and um, my prayer is is that by leaving the eu by becoming a sovereign nation and we're gonna and there's going to be a fight over this that um we are in fact quite understandably able to have uh be in charge of our own borders now like with you certain aspects of course at various times countries need uh, countries needs immigration but if we are not in a position to actually help people if we've got a, a coward and pivot situation where we're all bust we can't afford anything then we're going to be in no position to help any other country and we have got a huge spiritual battle ideologically go- going on so the left would want to use uh, radical Islam to suppress free speech, to suppress um, Christianity and, you know, and the truth. And that that is what I believe is is going on. Um, and again, Sean, I apologize if I haven't answered the question, but I think no, you have, you know, we you know have. how we know we know how this is going to certain aspects of this are going to pan out. The most important thing is to be able to have dialogue. And when when Donald Trump was running for president, as soon as he ran for president, everyone said he's a racist, he's a xenophobe, he's this, that, and the other. He'd never been called any of those things in his life, right? Not in 30 oh, years, yeah. not in 30 years ask, of a very ask, public life. Absolutely. Ask, ask Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton, who I think might have taken money off him in the past. Oh, they right? did. Absolutely. Yeah. Who is helped? You know, so I'm, and I, I say, it, you know, I'm extremely indebted to you to be able to have this conversation because we well, pleasure is mine. need it. We actually need each other. We're actually learning off each other. And mm. if I, and I sense that we find ourselves moving more and more towards certain aspects of the public square, then we are going to have to have these discussions and it's, uh, and it's not going to be very, very easy uh, for right. some at all. They won't face it. The, the liberal elite intelligentsia will not face it. So for argument's sake, give you an example at the moment. So in, uh, we have a, a by-election. So in Stoke, I think Stoke, Stoke on Trent, we've got a, a by-election um, in the Midlands going toward, you know, towards north. And that part of the world 
voted heavily for UKIP to to voted sorry voted for the referendum. Now the leader of UKIP, um, Nuttall, Phil Nuttall, Paul Nuttall, is standing as to uh, go for that uh, particular um, seat to try and get a seat in the House of Parliament. Traditionally, it's been in the in the in a sort of Labour heartland. If UKIP win that, then the Labour Party are in deep trouble because what it says to them is that the nice trendy parts of Islington, where they all come from, certain aspects of thinking and the elite and having a nice time in the House of Commons, they're going to have to think about this because their actual heartlands in the Midlands, up north, have turned around and said, no, we voted for Brexit. We voted to leave the EU because we've seen our manufacturing base decline. We've seen jobs decline. We are struggling here. But people within the M25 have a completely different lifestyle. Life is all fine. Isn't it all wonderful? And they have mm -hmm. no idea what's going on. And they're completely out of touch with reality. So the parallel here to you, and I apologize if I don't get the facts right, is in the rust belts, as we call it, of declining manufacture in the middle states, the flyover states of America. And I, you know, again, I've learned a new term. So we fly. We call them the flyover states, which I think was very, very insulting. So is that you get on a plane in Washington and New York and you fly over the states to go to California. Right. Mm -hmm. And you forget about the mass majority of the people in the middle who a lot of them voted for President Donald Trump. And they've seen the de decline of uh, all their manufacturing base. They've seen the fact that since 1979, a minimum of, of uh, and I'm trying to think of the wonderful man who explained this to me, um, fantastic Christian on your side, have seen 55,000, if not up to 75,000 factories leave America and go to China, right? Mm -hmm. This is a plan. And by aiding and abetting the enemy, that's against the American Constitution, unless I'm, unless I'm wrong on that point. No, it's absolutely treason. Absolutely. Yeah, absolute treason. So this is what is going on. And of course, in Europe, we have no full understanding of the American Constitution. We have no, and I come back to that, we have no full understanding of, of what a republic is and representative government and small government. We have no understanding of that because, frankly, the EU is some kind of socialist loving. And mm -hmm. you and I... And everyone else listening knows in the last century, the amount of what was called democide and the amount of me uh, people that um, uh, that Mao killed, China killed, uh, Hitler, etc., Pol Pot, etc. And when people go on about, oh, yeah, we'll have socialism, we'll vote for Bernie Sanders or whatever, um, and we have true socialism, and if Hillary had got in, then we would have had a third world war before we could say Jack and all this kind of thing. Um, right. The people at the top, they'll still be sending their kids to wonderful private schools. They'll be still right. opting out of Obama, out of Obamacare, you know, and all this kind of thing. And elite, while the rest of you, while we spray whatever in the atmosphere, while we have uh, 
food that um, we're, you know, all chemically uh, pumped and all this kind of thing. And we're slowly mm. just uh, create various diseases and pump the rest of the bump the rest of the population up. We're not making mm. it up. Right. And um, I, I apologize. I'm going all over the houses. But what I'm saying is there is a parallel. There is a parallel to what's been going on over here and what has been going on in America and what what uh, President Donald Trump and his administration have done. And someone explained it. I think Ray Guiano on your side explained this brilliantly is that he basically has taken Trump is the 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 adjustable wrench mm-hmm. and he's thrown it, chucked it into the globalist machine and he stopped right. it. That's right. And I I am even shocked on one level that I'm even saying that because I have come a long way in uh, one point being, I would say, very left wing, very left of center and mm-hmm. and coming over what I say to the truth. Because that is another lie, Sean, the Hegelian dialectic, the left and the right. And so they play the left off against the right and and the ruling elite go up the middle and get away with absolute blue murder. There is truth and there are lies. And we have mm-hmm. reached the point of this is the truth. This is this is what uh, this is what um, this is what is actually going on. And I'm just looking. I'm just uh, there's an article that's just come up that I'll just uh, on Gatestone uh, Europe. I'll just see this. I mean, it seems. Well, while you're looking at while you're looking at that, let me let me ask you if I might about the Finsbury Park Mosque. They just recently won a libel payout from Reuters, a news agency. Um, now they were clearly and obviously funding because uh, because Finsbury Park Mosque was run by Abu Hamza. He was later convicted yes. of, of terrorism offenses in the United States until 2005. Now, yeah. um, the, the thing is, is it clearly um, there are banks actually now unwilling uh, to, because uh, the allegations were made by Thomas Reuters, Thomson Reuters, that, that they, were, um, they, were, they were really a, a place terrorism they were financing terrorism they were fomenting it and we we know by the people that uh frequented that mosque that was absolutely true but that but through using something called litigation jihad they um because let's remember who all was there uh you know the the, um abu hamza you know i don't know if our audience remembers his name but he's the guy with the hook for a hand he lost his hand and uh and so he has this hook well he's he gone um and so, but he had a, attendees to his mosque. Zacharias Masawi was a 9-11 co-conspirator, admitted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shoe, mm-hmm. shoe bomber, Richard Reed, you know, uh, London subway bomber, Mohammed Sadiq Khan. And it was mm-hmm. referred to, uh, according to an article that I think is really excellent, uh, Pamela Geller, just for full disclosure, I know her and we have an agreement uh, to cross post things. And Pamela, I mean, she, she's well, she's banned from Great Britain actually, uh, because they call know, her a, a, a hate speaker. Yeah, Gella, Gella, Pamela, uh, Pamela, and Robert Spencer are banned. Yeah, right. Yeah, and Robert, you couldn't ask for a better guy. Robert Spencer's awesome dude. Yeah, and yeah. so, yeah. But but here's the crazy thing about it is this mosque, the Finsbury Park Mosque, was referred to and is referred to as um, the suicide factory because so many people. Uh, they went. They went from there to you know meeting up with other uh, 
Islamists wow. and then the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the mm-hmm. Charlie Hebdo massacre and other attacks mm-hmm. in Paris have a link. They have a direct and clear link to uh, jihad and all of these attacks in Europe. And MI5 calls it an Al-Qaeda camp in the heart of London. Now, you know, that's quoted by many different news agencies, but, but they've lost. They've lost uh, in a libel suit. So that's litigation jihad. We have all these different types of jihad. We have a refugee jihad, which is really immigration jihad, which is planned. Flood them, overwhelm them, get them completely. Which, yeah, which George Soros pays for. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. He pays for it. It's no big deal for him. And uh, and, and ultimately, um, it is, uh, it's one of those things that I just think, unfortunately, We'll never see our way. We will never see our way around to to understand just how evil uh, George Soros actually is. We we won't. We won't see it because uh, I know in America, and I talked about this in one of my recent speeches. Listen, you, you know, we're Christian folk, and even folks that aren't people of faith but are good people, they say, you know, I just I don't understand until you've stood, and I've been really, really close physically close to beheadings and until you've seen the the utter demonic state that they whip it's almost a uh a a sexual thing with them i mean they are so demonic in this and then when they Mm -hmm. when when they start doing what they do and it's it's normally not uh it's normally not one uh, incident. Hello, Bob from Philly, by the way, Philly, Bob, we sure miss you, brother. Um, you know, it's, it's not one person getting beheaded or one person being stoned. It's an event. And I mean to tell you, uh, if it's somebody getting stoned, usually a woman, um, they tell the children, be a good Muslim, go get rocks, gather rocks for us. Uh, you know, Alu Akbar, and they gather the kids gather the rocks, they're all excited. Is this good? Is this good? Is this good? And then they stand there and they cheer, uh, in, in like a, a sexual frenzy while they stone this woman to death. And, and I've got to tell you, it's a horrible way to die. I've, I've watched it, it's a horrible way to die. And so, when we have these beheadings, we have all these other really, uh, to, to most people. In the West, in most civilized people in Europe, you look at that and you say, well, this can't be. This, this, this is not real. So you take it out of your mind because you've seen horrible things in movies. You've mm-hmm. seen all of these things. And, uh, and I have to tell you, uh, for me personally, having been a person that has been in that world where, you know, I physically watched this happen and can't believe it. Uh, and I've seen enough to know that, yeah, it you know, this is happening for sure. And it will happen again. And I remember talking to a couple buddies of mine who, uh, and, and, and one of the, one of the guys is, uh, his name is Drago and his story is amazing. He's been a guest on my show many times. Uh, Drago is, is an American hero. Uh, he doesn't like to be called that. Uh, he is, it was a political prisoner who escaped Poland and he came here literally a prisoner. I mean, he was, he was jailed he came here, he, he immigrated, uh, legally, <coughs> excuse me. And he 
interestingly enough, he said, you know, I owe this country so much. They've been so good to me. I want to serve this country. So he joined the United States Navy, which is near and dear to me because I'm a Navy guy. And, uh, and so he joined the Navy. He quickly uh, realized, hey, there's something I can do that will be the ultimate of service to my country. I'm going to, I'm going to, and he didn't say I'm going to try out for the SEALs. He just, he said, I'm going to be a SEAL. And he was. Right. Uh, and right. he's, re he's retired now after an entire career. And I think even right now, ha looking at him, he could, he could go back into the uh, teams and have no problem. But, but he told mm -hmm. me, he said, you know, he and I were talking about this and we said, you know, the, the average American or the average Westerner can't conceive of the horror. They can't conceive that a human being can look at another human being and get uh, excited over killing, brutally killing, which by the way, most beheadings, I'm, I'm here to tell you, most beheadings are not a quick off with the head. It, most beheadings are done with a fairly large knife and it's done by literally cutting the head off, oh. hacking the head off. The person is alive for three to seven minutes. Uh, you know, they are alive for three. It, it takes that long that way. Now with a sword, a uh, very, very sharp sword. It is, it is notably quicker than that, but most assuredly, uh, it's, it's real and it really happens. And these people, when they come here now, I have some very, in fairness to you, Mark, and, and, and to my audience, which, you know, who knows how many it'll be today, but it, it, my audience, I, I want you to know that I, I am, I don't want what I'm about to say to be tied to Mark in any way, because that's not fair to him. And, and I, and I fully, you know, he's indemnified completely by what I'm going to say. This is Dr. Sean saying this, not Mark Sutherland. But my belief is based on what I've learned, uh, I'm, I'm known internationally as an expert on Islam. And what I've learned through firsthand experience, uh, academic pursuits, interviews, uh, you know, reading the Quran, I'm on my fourth time through uh, the Umdad al-Salik or the Reliance of the Traveler and many other writings. Um, you, you know, this is what I do. And I can tell you, having seen it firsthand, my point of view is that Islam has no place in Western society, none whatsoever. And the reason they don't is because they can't swear. They can't make an oath to the Constitution of the United States of America simply because they are not uh, they, they are prohibited by the Quran to do so. They, they cannot do it. Now, they can lie. Through Takia, they can lie and say, "Well, yeah, okay, yeah, I can do that." In this country, this is how this is how just insane we are. Mm -hmm. In this country, the United States of America, we have in the United States military and all the different branches of the military thousands of Muslims, and in in on police departments, there are nine hundred and thirty-five Muslims who have now been granted by uh, the mayor of New York City. Uh, de Blasio, who fancies himself a communist, who have now been permitted for a, for a, a uniform modification for the men and the women police officers, 935 male and female police officers, that the women can wear a, um, a head covering. It's, it's not a typical head covering, but it's, it's by their approval. And the men can wear whatever head covering uh, that the, the uh, Islam commands. Well, that has extended now to the United States military. But what's worse than that is you, you've got a guy uh, who killed the uh, the folks in, in Fort Hood. Now, this yeah. guy's a psychiatrist. 
this guy's a psychiatrist yeah. and yeah. Nidal Hassan, yeah. they mm. say, well, he was, he was, um, he was radicalized. I keep hearing this term, Mark, and I'm sure you hear it out there, uh, over, mm. over in, 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 uh, in uh, Great Britain. He was radicalized. No, 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 no. He wasn't radicalized. You cannot be, uh, become an animal abuser, an innocent animal abuser, unless that's a weakness, a darkness in your soul. You cannot, uh, um, you, you cannot abuse elderly and innocent people unless there's a darkness in your soul. You can't be tricked into that. And the fact of the matter right. is, they are commanded in Surah 9-5 to lie to, defraud, mm. and kill infidels, mm. no matter what they have to do. Now, I know, I happen to know uh, Muslims who are very nice. They're very nice people. Mm. Uh, mm. By what I can see, they don't practice the tenets of Islam. Uh, but mm. it's, not a, mm. it's not a question. It's simply not a question of, are they uh, radicalized? Are they extremist? Or are they the peaceful Muslim, that, that unicorn that we're always being told of, uh, mm -hmm. when yet mm -hmm. the Quran 8.12 says, I will cast terror into the hearts of those who disbelieve, therefore strike off their heads and strike off every fingertip of them. Yeah. Here's the crazy yeah. thing. Islam is growing faster, Mark. Islam, and, I, and I'm, almost, uh, I'm almost convinced that it's growing faster also in Europe, uh, in prisons. Islam is growing faster in prisons than any other religion. Disaffected people, they've already shown that they can commit crimes. It's not a bit, it's not a big deal. Uh, you know, committing violent crime, not a big deal. Lying to people, not a big deal. And so, and so here we have that. Now, um, I will say this, and, and I don't know if you'd be willing to do this. Unfortunately, we're 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 uh, very much out of time. I would love to have you back on and uh uh, really any time, but I would love to have you back on in the next, at least uh, the next couple of weeks, if possible. But I want to kind of see if there's any blowback on you in your country. I certainly don't want you to face uh, any persecution or anything of the sort. So let's, let's kind of see if you'd like, I mean, if, if you're willing to, let's see how this, how you fare with this uh, and I, then have you back on. Yeah. Well, I I would be honored to be back on. Um, well, I really the would. honor is mine. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And I, I just want to say something in regard to the Finsbury Park Mosque, any of that info, I want it. And I'm, I'm actually sitting here and here I am in this country, having witnessed, uh, you know, on the news, Abel Hamza being kicked out of that mosque and holding meetings outside and then eventually getting uh extradited to america on the one hand i'm embarrassed that i don't know as much as you have just told me right and i'm going and i'm thinking so if mi5 are saying this then what the heck is going on inside yeah, yeah. and i'm uh, i'm embarrassed i'm embarrassed about that because you see the key thing is is that we address you're the expert and you can tell me is that we address the tenets of the ideology and we stick to the facts we don't personalize that but we stick right. to the facts and that's why i turn around and go i want these people to become christians and no i am happy the fact that my own particular country has run along certain common law 
practice lines, etc. That's what I want. The, the, we, the plan to get us in, into the EU, and this can also be another bigger discussion. The plan to get us into the EU, EU Sean, was the first attempt to get in was in 1961. Uh, Ted Heather and Harold Macmillan began that discussion in 1958. The, these kinds of things of globalism, of movements, go on all the time. And, I, and, and you're fully aware of this. You have seen the discussions of Chamberlain coming back after meeting Hitler and waving a piece of paper and going, I have seen, you know, I've met with I, Mr. Hitler. Seems a very nice man. And he's just signed this. And he said that he, he won't invade. I mean, right. to some extent, we are, we are at that point. And we are having to ask ourselves some very, very difficult questions. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Well, Mark, it's been a distinct honor and privilege to have you on today. I look forward to having you on again. We'll certainly stay. I just linked, uh, folks, if you go to my Facebook page, um, I've just linked the different things we've talked about uh, to Mark. So you'll see them there. And Mark, certainly, um, we're just excited to have you. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And uh, we look forward to having you on again soon. So thank you so much. Thank you for going to all the trouble to get linked up via Skype and, and all of that. God bless you, brother. We'll be in touch. No, no well, thank you. Very, thank you very much. And the, and the, uh, the pleasure and the honor has been mine. So let me, let me know any, any feedback from people. That's always very important. All right. I will. God bless I, I will. Thank you, brother. God bless you. So people, there you have it. And, and what I'm going to say is this, is, is that, um, you know, this was kind of a long time in coming. Uh, Mark had heard my show and read some things that I wrote and said, man, I, I need to be on that show. And you need to understand that he is, how awesome is he, first of all? And you need to also understand that that he's taking a great risk in doing this. Now, isn't that crazy? That that seems so uh, uh, counterintuitive because we have such freedom here in this country. But let me say this. The reason we have the freedom we have is because of war fighters. Like, and I don't say his name, I purposely don't say his name uh, because he's SEAL Team 6, and I don't think the names of SEALs should be released, uh, or any of our special forces guys, whether it's Navy, uh, any of them, any of them, any branch, I, I just don't think so, and especially SEAL Team 6 or DevGrew. Say is this, as, as we close, this show is dedicated, you know, the family knows who they are and they know who I am, um, right now, uh, well, it's just finished, but a ramp ceremony in Dover, Delaware has just finished. President Donald Trump uh, met with the family, no cameras, no reporters, um, and expressed his very, very powerful, uh, and it was in a very, I'll just say this, I know for a fact from first, a very emotional experience. Uh, so let's pray for that family. Please join me on Sunday. I know that Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday, but uh, we're still going to have a broadcast and we look forward to joining you again. Thank you so much. Make sure you put comments in the comment section of drshawngreener.com under this blog post. I sure appreciate it. God bless you all. God bless America. Join us next time for the collision of faith and politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at the ninja pastor and on Facebook 
at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www.drseangreener.com. In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight. <laughs>